Hello, I'm Julie Swenson, Managing Director of Forward Theatre Company in Madison, Wisconsin. And I'm Mike Fisher, Milwaukee-based theatre writer and dramaturg. I'm Jen Uphoff-Gray, Founder and Artistic Director of Forward Theatre Company, and this is Theatre Forward, a twice-monthly conversation about theatre from a local, regional, and national perspective. From Madison to Manhattan, we're excited to share insight into our own company while exploring issues surrounding theatre in the Midwest and around the country. So this episode, we're launching a new recurring series, The Play That Stays. From time to time, we'll be sharing a compilation of brief conversations with artists about a production that has really stuck with them, whether it's something they experienced as an audience member or as a creator. We hope you'll enjoy hearing these stories as much as we did. Noel Stomach is a lighting and scenic designer based in Milwaukee. Her most recent forward production was 46 Plays for America's First Ladies. Hi, thanks for having me. It's a it's a pleasure to uh, join you all for this. Um, okay, here's my story. Um, my sister um, got into acting um, in college, and uh, she went to a liberal arts school up uh, state New York, which you all of an appropriate demographic would recognize because the exterior shots for the way we were, were shot outside of uh, her theater, um, the Knott Memorial. And so um, at the age of nine, I started to go see a lot of theater because she was cast in a lot of plays and she was good. So she was doing, you know, stock and off, off Broadway as well. So, you know, I was able to go see a lot of Shakespeare, a lot of Moliere, a lot of Beckett, you know, all the classics. So, you know, they were performing and not Memorial. It was um, pretty immersive. It was in the round. Um, you know, I kind of was getting what was going on, but, you know, I was nine. Um, so we um, went to see um, a play in a, a studio space, a black box, um, The Rhymers of Eldridge. Um, my first Lansford Wilson play at the age of probably 10 or 11. But I was, you know, by this point, fairly sophisticated 11 year old theater goer. And I kind of got what was going on. But what stuck with me and what made this play kind of pivotal in me um, becoming uh, a theater designer was that I was watching the piece, um, you know, kind of grasping what was going on. And Lansford Wilson is a, an amazing playwright for a lighting and designers, his, his, his environments are really, really rich. And while the play wasn't really well reviewed, um, it, it just was, um, uh, it's a fantastic, I think, educational piece. So our, we were sitting on risers and my view was both the stage and also the grid. I, I could see the lights turning on and off. And for the first time I was able to connect what was happening with the light cues and the emotional state on stage. I mean, Rhymers is a really um, uh, evocative piece and it was really pretty mind boggling to me how the choices in color and the choices in direction um, reflected what was happening on stage. Um, and I was lucky enough um, a few years later to be able to light the piece myself in high school. And I was able to kind of put together, you know, what I 
I noticed as a, you know, a, a, just a, an 11 year old um, with how much lighting and design influences and enhances and contributes to um, the play as a whole. I mean, it really plays character. Oh my so God, I love that story so much. Yeah. There's a lot of 11 year olds that have done a lot, seen a lot of theater that wouldn't think to look up at the grid. That's a, that's a person that's going to become a lighting designer who does that. Well, and what held <laughs> in you, even at that age, were you, what, what do you think made you focus on light and lighting already that young? Because God knows, I, to Julie's point, I sure didn't when I was seeing theater that young. Uh, you know, uh, again, I, at that point, I had already been to a lot of theater. Um, so, uh, and my parents didn't hold back. You know, I think intellectually, I was some, I was potentially more evolved at that point than other kids of my age. Um, and I don't know, to be quite honest. And, and you know, the fact that Rhymers really, really stuck with me, just something clicked. It's like, I just was so intrigued with the fact that, you know, I, the lighting was rendering the emotional state of, of what was happening on stage. I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I have to attribute it hopefully to my upbringing and, and, you know, just being immersed in theater from such a, a, a young and impressionable age, because I, you know, wasn't necessarily following the story um, but I was, it was, I was clearly able to interpret the emotions that were being conveyed. Thank you so much for sharing that story with us. That was just delightful. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Laura Gordon is a Milwaukee based actor and director. Her most recent project with Forward was directing our production of Heisenberg. She will be directing Every Brilliant Thing at Hope Summer Repertory Theater in Michigan this summer. Hello. The story I want to tell about one of the most influential plays that I've ever experienced was in the spring of 1995. And I traveled to Ops, Siberia with a group of people from the Milwaukee Rep. Um, this was really early in um, Joe Hanready's artistic directorship, and he had inherited a cultural relationship with a theater in Russia, the Omsk State Drama Theater. And um, earlier that season, we had done a play called The Gambler, uh, which was an adaptation of a Dostoevsky short story. And they had brought over this director and design team from Russia. And it was this crazy experience. And the director was a genius, but he was also just, a, he was a tyrant. So yeah, the whole experience was crazy. But at the end of that season, um, to kind of continue the cultural exchange, a group of us went over there and uh, we didn't have to perform. We were just um, watching plays and meeting the company and doing workshops. And so, we were gone for about two weeks, uh, about 10 days of which were in Siberia. And we were in Moscow at the beginning and the end um, of the trip. 
And uh, it's, it was one of those, you know, it was state run. It was uh, one of those very European model companies where there's a huge repertoire of, of plays that they do a different one every night. Some of these actors had been working together for decades and some were new. And so basically, I think we were there for 10 days and we saw at least 10 plays, you know, and we also just had these amazing experiences. So the play that I want to talk about is called Panichka. And it was um, an adaptation of a short story written by Nikolai Gogol based on a Ukrainian folk story. And uh, it was this bizarre, wonderful combination of things. Um, the, the plot in a nutshell is that these three students are coming home from university and they need a place to stay. And so they stay at this, get, get this woman to allow them to stay um, in her house. And, but she turns into this witch. And in the middle of the night, she takes one of these, these scholars and she starts riding him like a horse out in the fields. And then at some point um, he starts riding her. Somehow he hits her with a stick. And as she falls down to the ground, she turns into this beautiful young woman and he runs back to the city. But it turns out that this old woman's daughter has died. And so he has to come back and spend three nights in the church with her dead body. Um, and it gets weirder and weirder each of the three nights until like the, the king of the gnomes comes and um, he ends up, the scholar ends up dying of fright. So that's the basic story. Um, and this was a very well-known folk tale. And so it was, um, the audience was filled with people of all ages. There were a lot of kids there. And um, some of the images were just, are like emblazoned in my mind. And I guess the thing that was the most stunning about it to me, first of all, we had these headsets and a really bad interpreter. So we would get rid of the headset because you really didn't need it because you could follow the story so well. And the the theatricality of it was breathtaking. And it was like this stark contrast between light and dark and humor and it being really scary and broad comedy. And then also just this, the nuance of psychological realism. Um, it, was, it was just astounding. And two images I'll tell you about. The, um, the dark image, the Panichka witch, image as uh the, the the riding the horse riding him like a horse well she had this um first of all she was completely naked from the waist up and it didn't make any difference at all like the kids it wasn't like like you could never do that here but the kids watching this you know it it, it was just that was the witch and that's what she looked like and so i remember that she had like this big huge kind of black skirt that was like parachute material, you know, so it could kind of sweep over the whole stage. And this just amazing choreography and lighting of the writing of this witch. Um, and then in contrast to that, there were like these tavern scenes that were bright, bright white with these bold colored costumes of these old Cossacks and, and drunk people at the inn and this amazing um, comedy. And then these, 
like pumpkins or melons or I, I don't know what any of it meant because we didn't understand what they were saying, but the images were just, just so spectacular. And uh, the final image of the play was, so the, the scholar has died. And kind of the moral of the story is, if you didn't get so scared, you wouldn't, you wouldn't die. So the, the final image of the play is that there was like an open grave way far upstage. And this little group of, of boys kind of comes just running through, kind of playing with those melons, you know, just kind of playing catch. And then at the very end, this one boy stops because he has to pee and he turns around and he pisses in the grave of the scholar and then he runs away. Um, it was amazing. And then I have this little travel journal that I kept um, during the time and I'll just read a little bit. Um, Panichka was the coolest, coolest experience I've ever had in the theater. Lev, that was the director, Lev is brilliant. The broadness of the comedy, yet fully supported and believable, juxtaposed with the dark Panichka sections of simple creativity. The movement is stunning. And those faces of the children in the boxes. Act one, house left box was all girls, house right, all boys. And then at intermission, they all got mixed together. Um, I'll never forget those faces, that attention, that leaning forward in their seats, the faces of young people leaning over the rail of balconies three levels up, the glitter raining down, the ride Panichka takes on the scholar's back, Moisha's old Cossack sitting down, Valeri's drunk Cossack, Andre's little walk, Nadia's face, the truth, the little tiny gestures and movements of real behavior moving from black to bright light. All those children running on at the end and throwing the small melons that fell from the sky. The singing, sensory overload. Oh. Oh. What a standing ovation, that story. <laughs> As oh. I've had it. Then, then it's followed by the, you know, 10-minute oh. Russian curtain call, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's just so... You know, I mean, I, as Laura, as I've said about you so many times in so many pieces I've written on you, I, I've always been awed by your ability to take the broadest stories and find these deep, chewy <laughs> things of truth with inside them. It's such a gift, and it's something you don't see enough of. And you've just given us the secret sauce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was, you know, this was like a good 10 years before I started directing at all, right. you know. Um, but it made some kind of impression. Yeah. I'm a little disappointed that our listeners won't be able to see you somewhat act out that play <laughs> that I have enjoyed so much. But, you know, I'm just asking them to imagine, imagine you doing that. Oh, those um, kids. I remember those, those kids like leaning forward out of these boxes. There's a big old proscenium house with three levels. And, and they all had like these, these, this candy that they came back at intermission, they had these like lollipop things and they were just like, and I, I just can't speak enough to the other thing that it taught me, I think was just not, don't underestimate your audience, you know? And granted, we can't do a topless um, witch here probably, <laughs> but there was, there was some things like if you, if you treat the audience as, as, as smart as you want them to be, and there was no playing down, to this this audience of kids at all amen <laughs> what a wonderful Laura. story 
Thank, Thank you. you. Ah, so great. Jim Pickering is a legendary Milwaukee-based actor who will be appearing this June in Forward's next Monologue Festival. And then in July, he'll be performing in Children of a Lesser God in Michigan. This, um, this event happened about 40 years ago. So a lot of you weren't born when it happened. It was when I was working at Milwaukee Repertory Theater in, uh, when there was a, a resident ensemble there of actors. John Dillon was the artistic director at the time. John Dillon was um, of uh, Norwegian descent. And he was very fond of uh, a novel by Ole Edvard Rolvag, who was president of um, St. Olaf College in Northfield, Minnesota. The book was entitled Giants in the Earth. And in those days, we did a lot of making up our own plays. And we decided that we were going to make a play out of this novel, which is a, oh, a expansive novel about uh, Norwegian immigrants who came in the late uh, 19th century and settled in South Dakota, as Rolvag had done. Um, one of the things that inspired the novel was that um, he had done some writing before, and uh, at one point his his son, he had two children who died prematurely, tragically. And uh, the story that we heard was that his son fell into a well and was drowned. And the day after that, Rolvog took pen to paper and started to write this book. We improvised a lot of what we felt the, the mise-en-scene would be, how we were gonna present this thing. We uh, wanted to do it as bare stage as possible. We, it featured things like blizzards and infestations of locusts and so forth and so on. It had to do with um, the, uh, the Lutherans, the Lutheran Norwegian immigrants wondering whether they had left God behind when they left Norway. And the primary character who is only a, a sort of a, a tangential character in the book was a uh, a man who was studying to be a pastor, his name Ellis Stolen Harstad, that was a character I played. And he came along with these immigrants and he was having his own doubts about whether God even existed or uh, how, to, uh, how to minister to his people. And he decided at one point after a number of hardships, after um, one of the primary characters had died in a blizzard, literally because it was snowing so hard that he had tied a rope from his cabin to his barn to go out and feed the stock in the middle of this blizzard. And on his way back, he lost his hold on the rope. And we're talking about a matter of oh, 20 yards. He could not find his house and he ended up freezing to death in the snow. And it was at this point that the, uh, the suffering of the people had become so great that Harstad decides, he decides himself that he is a minister. He makes the leap from his own soul to God's and decides to uh, do what is necessary to you know, comfort and uh, bring, uh, bring the, the faith and the religion to the, the immigrants of the, the little town where they, where they all settled. 
It was written on the campus of St. Olaf College in Northfield in 1982 in the winter, <laughs> winter of 1982, which is, I think we will recall was one of the last times Lake Michigan froze over so that we had a lot of, <laughs> we had a lot of help in, uh, it, as far as the ambiance of the climate was concerned. We had put together uh, the script and uh, uh, we presented it on the, on the Togwar stage at the Rep. And it was decided back in those days, we had, there was lots of funding for us to tour. And we toured it the following fall. And one of the places where we stopped was uh, St. Olaf's College in Northfield. Um, as it turned out, the man who was running the light board the evening of our performance was the grandson of Mr. Rolvog. This was a, we were in, in other words, we were, this, this became sort of a family event. One of the final events of the play is that uh, Harstad is center stage with uh, a big old spot on him and all of the settlers, all of the Norwegian settlers are sort of lined up in a ring behind him and he prays. The, the subject of, the, of his prayer is essentially, oh God, will you give us the faith to seek you here, meaning in the new world. And the prayer starts with Harstad getting on his knees and saying, let us pray. And I felt behind me this ripple from the fellow actors of, I, I don't quite know how to describe it, which was followed by the sound of chair seats in the theater, flapping up as the entire audience stood and got down on their knees and joined me in this prayer. As I am telling you this, the <laughs> sparse hairs on the back of my neck are standing straight up. It was one of the most, um, it was one of the things that it was like, it was imprinted on me that in a very selfish way, I had chosen the right profession. <laughs> that the, There was this sort of thing that could be given back. It was a, a thing that could not happen with a virtual audience. It had to be, you had to be right there. You had to be those people. And I think the play was powerful for just about everybody we performed it for. But when you had the, the very people uh, whose ancestors were the characters in the play and had them responding to this uh, in that fashion, it was uh, perhaps the most remarkable feeling I've ever had in the theater. And that was back 40 years ago. And I've done things since that have come close, but never that feeling. And that feeling remains with me and is, you know, it, it's, a great, it's a great motivator to keep on doing this, to keep on performing for people. And uh, that's sort of the significance of the event that was what happened. I know, look at all of you, everybody's going. <laughs> Jim Pickering, thank you for sharing that so story. So beautiful. Um, yeah. 
you've been ministering to me for as long as I've been in Milwaukee. And I am so glad that you chose this particular profession of faith. I'm so grateful. Bless you, you my child. <laughs> Joe Chalhoub is a stage manager and performer here in Madison. They've worked on countless FTC shows and will be moving to Chicago this summer to work with Silk Road Rising and Medina Theater Collective. So uh, I've had the pleasure of seeing many forward shows and working on many forward shows, and it's hard to choose. Um, but the one that has really stuck with me over the years definitely has to be Mr. Burns. Um, <laughs> Mike Fisher is very enthusiastic about that one, um, which I had the, the pleasure and the honor of being able to assistant stage manage um, with a crew of, of two other assistant stage managers. And it was a wild ride. Um, I know it's it's one of those that um, is maybe a little controversial. Some folks didn't like it. Some folks loved it. I ended up loving it. I have a tattoo dedicated to it. Um, it was it was really quite the experience. Just from the things that we had to do from a stage management perspective to make that show happen. Just from the changing of the different uh, time periods and scenes. Um, and I mean, our, our breaks in between each scene and section were loaded with changeover. Um, so the three of us were running around backstage and had just enough time to get everything done, um, which was really exciting and thrilling and wonderful. Um, and the, the cast and the creative team on that one was just perfection. Um, it was really just a tremendous experience to see folks take this sort of really strange piece and turn it into something that was really relatable and really honest um, and being able to tell stories in a really cool way. And yeah, it was it was just a lot of fun. And I loved getting to um, work on that show and and see and all the shenanigans that happened behind the scenes and and all of that good stuff it was that's one that will stick with me forever it was really exciting joe i always have in my head the image of you standing on stage with the sign <laughs> telling people 75 years have gone by and just yes. like staring the audience down that'll stick with me forever yes i loved having a little cameo in that one that was super fun um yeah, that was really exciting. I loved it. Well, uh, I, I bowed down. I mean, that is um, by far my favorite forward production um, ever. And and I, I can't even imagine, um, you know, I'm in awe of stage managers anyway. I, I just, you know, they're the unsung heroes of theater. And in that show in particular, which was insane, um, yeah. I can't even imagine the challenges that it posed for you to present for us what was this beautiful, seamless very clear and that's saying something with that piece a uh, piece of storytelling <laughs> yeah Yay. it was it was amazing I mean I I sometimes wish so that that final moment in the show where all of the lights turn on and you see this like incredible story come to an end um I never got to see that moment because I was behind behind the the centerpiece of the stage uh making sure that Marcus Trusinski didn't die while pedaling on this, <laughs> this bicycle um 
but to but I almost wish the audience could have seen you know they got to see this incredible moment on stage I almost kind of wish they would have been able to look from our perspective at all the things going on behind the scenes because it was it was a production and it was we worked really hard to do a lot of really cool things on that show behind the scenes and yeah it was great um so some of the spectacular moments in the show I never got to see but it was because we were working really hard trying to make that moment happen and getting to hear the audience's reactions to those things was just uh it was awesome it was perfection it really was so Thank great. you for sharing that. That warms my heart. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It. That is it for this episode of Theater Forward, a conversation about theater in Wisconsin, the Midwest, and America. Thank you so much for joining us, and a special thanks to today's guests, Noel Stolmack, Laura Gordon, Jim Pickering, and Joe Chalhoub. I'm Jen Alpoff Gray. I'm Julie Swenson. I'm Mike Fisher. Our podcast is the one that stays because it's produced by Scott Hayden. Uh, you can follow us or share your thoughts on Facebook or Twitter. As always, that's at Theater Forward with an E-R on theater. And if you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you might tune in. And be sure to leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. We're so grateful to have you listening. And we will be back soon for another Theater Forward conversation. 